0: Uh, what a, an amazing song that is. I believe uh, the Lord's really using that song at this time. And I could just play it over and over and over. In fact, this week, uh, it was played so many times in our house that I had a son that said, I've heard that song more times than Happy Birthday. Uh, just, we're just playing it over and over. I really feel that the Holy Spirit's on that song at this time as we pray it for our nation and the nations of the world. You're very welcome this morning. I uh, wonder how many turned up in their pajamas to church today. That's if this is church. There's a bit of a, a debate going on as to whether meeting like this online actually constitutes church, church or not. These are good thoughts to have and good discussions to have as to what church actually is. Uh, but you're welcome here this morning. If you're not part of Connect, you're especially. Welcome. The title of this morning's talk is, What is the Spirit Saying? And we want to, what we want to address in this talk is the question, What is the Spirit saying to the church in this unprecedented time, in these unprecedented days? And what is the Spirit saying to us in partic- particular? It's, it's a really good question. We at Connect recently went through the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And a phrase that is repeated is, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And I've been frequently asked, what is the Spirit saying in these days? It's a good question. Of course, the first and primary place to go for the answer is to the Bible, which Orthodox Christians confess to be the inspired or the breathed word of God. And this wonderful library or volume of books is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if you're asking the question, what is the Spirit saying? Pray and read the Bible. Quite straightforward, really. What the Spirit says through the Bible from cover to cover is that Jesus is the Son of God and reigns in heaven and on earth. And uh, Hebrews 1, 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son or by sonship or by sonness, is a word I'm making up, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he has also made the eon or the ages, the eons or the ages. And the prophets referred to here are the Old Testament prophets such as Elijah and Isaiah and others. In recent weeks, we have been reading the resurrection, and that is reading the parts of the gospel narratives where Jesus met people after the resurrection. We'll do that again in the weeks ahead and in Luke 24 Jesus met two very despondent disciples on the road to Emmaus and it says beginning at Moses and all the prophets he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself again this is referring to the Old Testament prophets what the spirit is always saying is Jesus Capital J, Capital E, Capital S, Capital U, Capital S, through and in the Scriptures. I'm just going to break at this point because uh, all I can see on my screen is Barry Highland, and I'm not so sure whether that's the same for everybody else. But I'm speaking, and his lips aren't moving. Um, they will be back again now. So, uh, however, what this wonderful, this wonderful library of books, and that's what it is. It's a a volume of books inspired, yes. Also says that in the New Testament era and in the New Testament church of which Jesus is head, there are also prophets and the gift of prophecy. So I want to talk briefly about New Testament prophets and New Testament prophecy, and then share some prophetic words, some prophetic encouragement that I and others think is for and to the church at this time, and to our church in particular, perhaps. So there's a, a guy called Agabus, and he is referred to as a New Testament prophet. And Alex, I'm uh, sorry, in Acts eleven twenty six, and the disciples were first called Christians in. Antioch. The word uh, Christians is first of all used at Antioch. Uh, Lex, uh, sorry, X eleven twenty seven. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Twenty nine. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So Agabus, he's named a prophet and he predicted a famine and the Christians were able to act accordingly because of what he said. Agabus had enough capital and credibility as a prophet in the Christian community for them to act. And I've been praying in these days, where are the Agabus prophets? Uh, I have a friend called Julian and he, uh, when he lived in England, predicted floods Ahead of the, the time, uh, he's a prophet and he predicted floods ahead of, ahead of uh, them occurring. But he says he heard nothing, absolutely nothing about the situation with regards to coronavirus. Prophets and teachers belonged together in the church at Antioch. And we could go to Acts 13 and 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers and they are named. Acts 13.2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. In this context of worship and prayer, when these New Testament prophets and New Testament teachers came together, the Holy Spirit spoke something that directed and influenced the course of the mission of God and indeed church history by the appointment and ordination in the Holy Spirit by this of this guy named Saul. So prophets and teachers belong together. We will come back to that in a moment. And then in Acts 15, 32, we read, Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And that's what the prophetic does. It exhorts and strengthens with words. That's what the prophetic does. It exhorts and strengthens with words. To prophesy is to foretell, not necessarily to foretell, although there is often a predictive element to prophesying, to New Testament prophecy. A definition of prophecy that I use is prophecy is speaking forth what God is currently saying. Speaking forth what God is currently saying and in this new covenant era of the Holy Spirit poured out on the church and dwelling, indwelling and infilling every believer, all may prophesy, that's what Acts 2 says, all may speak forth what God is currently saying, all are not Christ's gift of the prophet to the church but all believers should be speaking forth what God is currently saying into their context, into their situation, into their family, into their business, into their life. That's what I believe uh, is the, the, the opportunity of all new covenant believers. God has spoken and God speaks. God's final and complete revelation of himself is Jesus, the word of God. There is no need for more new or, um, or more revelation. But we also know that God speaks today to enable us to follow Jesus right into our lives here where we are at. Christians who would claim to be cessationist when it comes to the gift of prophecy, and I have many friends who are, and uh, they would claim to be cessationist when it comes to acknowledging and recognizing the role of the prophet they usually do believe that God speaks to them directly into their life. They believe in the promise, for instance, of Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And I know believers who would not ascribe to this teaching on the prophetic who have made major, I mean major life decisions, based on scriptures which they read whilst in prayer and perhaps they went to a meeting and the same scripture was preached from. They had to take these scriptures out of their objective context to apply them to their subjective circumstances. And the Holy Spirit used these words to speak to them. And God blessed them. And I think that is not unlike what I'm talking about when I'm speaking about the prophetic and the ministry of the gift of prophecy. The prophetic is simply another way of the Holy Spirit speaking into our circumstances. So we can obey Jesus, the word of God, where we are at. You see, God's voice localizes and locates the opportunity to obey God. God's voice localizes and locates the opportunity to obey God. We need both the Word and the Spirit to walk in obedience to God. Let me give you an example. The Word. Jesus Christ himself said uh, before he ascended in Matthew 28, 18, and 19, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel, immersing the hearers in the character and nature of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things that I have taught you. That's what the word said. That's what the word says. But later we read about the ordination of Saul. I've already referred to that this morning. It became Paul. And in Acts 16, we read about one of his missionary journeys. He was in a place called Troas. And there in that place, he received a vision of the Holy Spirit about a man from Macedonia pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia to help us. So in Paul's situation, the word was go into all the world as it is for every disciple of Jesus and preach. But the spirit or the prophetic vision came and pointed out that he was to specifically preach in Macedonia. So the word tells us what to do and why to do it. But the Spirit tells us where and when and how to do it. And this is why the church, the church needs both the Word and the Spirit to grow up into all that is in the church's DNA. The good news is that the Father has sent both the Word Jesus and the Spirit with his prophetic giftings, etc, etc. Ephesians 4:11 says and he gave and he himself this is the ascended Christ gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers and verse 12 is the reason why he did that it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ at Antioch the first place where the disciples were called Christians, there were prophets and teachers together. In the New Testament, prophets and teachers belong together. New Testament prophesying and Bible teaching belongs together. And that is where the growth will be. I have observed that. When prophets, however, are predominating things, things will blow up. It will be all about vision and expectation and passion. When shepherds or, and teachers are predominating things, things will slow up. They become stable, they become structured, and therefore they can become stagnant. And there's no movement in the mission of God that God has for the church upon the earth. But when prophets and teachers come together, then the church will grow up. That's what Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 16 says. And as I said, that has been the experience of others and what I I have observed. Prophets tend to focus on power and demonstration of power and, and passion and on presence. Shepherds tend to focus on pastoral safety and care of the people. And teachers tend to focus on the precepts of God and sound doctrine. And of course, then in that picture, you have evangelists and they want to proclaim the good news to those outside the church. And the apostolic, they want to plant a context where all of these gifts can flourish together. But I believe God's vision for the church is for the grace of God, for all of the grace of God complementing or bringing together All these gifts for the equipment of the saints to do the work of ministry. Before I share some things in terms of what I believe God is saying to us prophetically, let me say why prophetic words are beneficial and even necessary. Number one, they enable us to pray in the Spirit. If we know what the Spirit is saying, we can pray accordingly. And I believe that's why God foretells and foretells things, to help us to both watch and pray. The second thing that uh, I want to bring to you to say why why prophetic words are beneficial and even necessary are that they enable us in spiritual warfare. The church is a foreign people in enemy territory. We are at war. Paul told his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18, This command I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. The third thing, another reason why prophetic words are beneficial and necessary, is that they, they impart grace to fulfill the very thing that is spoken prophetically. In the kingdom of God, words are containers of spiritual power. That's why we bless and that's why we should not curse. That's why that uh, song based on Numbers chapter six is so powerful because it's in the kingdom of God to speak forth to bless and words are containers of spiritual power. And when prophetic words come, they contain grace or they bring grace, they impart grace to fulfill the very thing that is prophesied. Again, Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. In Timothy's case, prophesying had imparted grace, a grace gifting into his life. So those are at least three reasons why I think from a a, a biblical scriptural basis, why prophetic words are beneficial and necessary. But a quick note, just a quick note on testing prophecy and false prophets. Now this would take a session all uh, in itself. In this age, uh, there's a proliferation of false prophecy and false prophetic words. All you need is a camera, a 4G uh, internet, and Social, and a social media account to self-appoint as a prophet to the nations. And in many cases, these people are P-R-O-F-I-T and not P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Be very careful. Jesus promised us, one of his promises is that there will be false prophets. There will be false anointed ones, so-called, appear. We are commanded to test all things and to test the spirits to see that they are of God. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. And verse 20 says, Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. Verse 21 says, Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. In the New Testament, we are not to judge the prophet. We are to judge the prophecies that they bring. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Holy Spirit prophecy will always glorify the word of God, who is Jesus Christ himself. So, to finish out uh, my talk now, I want to bring some things to you that I believe are prophetic words or prophetic encouragement to us at this time. The, we, we've shared them uh, with amongst the eldership and core serve team and prayed about them. We've been sitting on them for a while, some of them. And there are other things that we're currently testing that has been brought. This is what you do. Things that have been said and they've been currently an assessment. We want to include the church in this testing. This is what is the New Testament way of doing things. The the church tests these things. So uh, on the 9th of February, two praying and I would say prophesying women independently brought the same scripture. On the same evening, that was Sunday the 9th of February. And that had already proven to be a very significant day in that that was the day that we felt to pursue taking on the additional building at Model School Road after a time of pressure around that issue. And that scripture was Deuteronomy 31 verses 6 to 8. And I'm just going to read them now uh, from the New King James. Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8. Two different people brought this independently. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight, of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. These words speak of the need not to fear or be discouraged. And when God prophesies things like that, watch out, because there's going to be the opportunity to be afraid and to be discouraged. These words also speak of an inheritance that lies before the people. And I'm not talking about a building in any way here. That's not the inheritance I'm speaking about, or I believe that the Lord is speaking about to us. And these words also remind us of the presence of God with us. And then on Monday, the 24th of February, I received an audio recording with a prophetic word specifically for our fellowship. And it was a vision of a fat bird with old feathers wilting. It was grounded, this bird, and could not soar to where it needed to be because it was too fat. And the feathers started to fall off. And then coming in below, there was a picture of another bird with new feathers. It was leaner and the feathers were beautiful. It took off and soared up to where it was supposed to be. The bird was was contrasted to the older bird that had become, quote, ineffective. And they felt, this person felt, and I believe this person's a New Testament prophet, they felt God was saying that a time of leanness would come and old feathers would be removed There would be pruning and leanness, and the time of change would lead to transformation. The very interesting thing is that in the same audio message, they finished with Deuteronomy. Yes, you've guessed it. Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8. They had no idea that that is a scripture that had been given previously. Another thing that has happened that, in terms of a prophetic encouragement, a young man met me at the door of the Connect Center uh, in March, first-generation Christian, which shows that all may prophesy, remember, and he gave me this plumb bob. It's, as most will know, the wait for the end of a plumb line in order to get a building straight and to get a consistent level. I'll show you that again plumb bob. I carried it about with me for a while, and one day I prayed and said, Lord, what is that really all about? Was that out of that guy's imagination, or are you saying something through this? And I sensed the Spirit heard that prayer. And the following Sunday, uh, we were going through the book of Revelation, and I spoke a pre-recorded message to you on the the church in Revelation 3, 14 to 22, about the church at Laodicea. And the following day I received an email from someone who felt the Lord had showed them that I had spoken on the church to Laodicea. They're not part of our church and they felt that I had already spoken it. And they referenced in this email, Amos 7, 7. Which says, thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And I've since found out that the Lord is speaking to many about him bringing back or bringing a plumb line to his church right now. To bring her back into line with his purpose, which is one united in christ so the question is does the connection with revelation 3 and the plumb line mean that the lord thinks we are like the church in laodicea that is lukewarm that needs to repent and become zealous but of course the 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 invitation is as i said to feast when i spoke that message was to is to feast with Jesus. Also in that email, the person said that they felt that the Lord was saying that it's not about just receiving a model from previous generations, that church should not be about receiving a model from previous generations, but it should be about seeking the Lord for his plumb line of what he thinks and in the way he thinks that the church should be built. And I personally think this is not only For us at Connect, I think it's for the church wider. There are people thinking through and praying through what the church should do now in lockdown and after lockdown. And some are running about in panic and anxiety, hoping that things will return to normal. Some are sticking their head in the sand and thinking that this will—we don't really need to think about things. This will blow over and we'll get back to normal. But really, the right response should be to to think ahead and to pray ahead and to pray, Holy Spirit of God, show us how we should be church in our time and our space. It is hard to assess uh, which of these words or which parts of these words apply at the micro level to us and not at the macro level to the church but he who has ears to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches